space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things as the neutral zone. And we are back. Welcome, friends, to episode 32 of the Code 47 podcast right here on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. I am your humble servant, uh, Trek Lord of Western Michigan, Charlie Carden, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey, a uh, chapter of the Starfleet International Fan Club. Along with me is my uh, faithful engineer, the guy who's always telling me that she just can't take it no more, uh, <laughs> Rich Davenport uh, from out there in Iowa. Or Iowa, oh my God. Where the hell you live? You live out in Minnesota. It's I'm close pretty- enough. Pretty close to Iowa, honestly. Oh, but, my yeah. God. But, yeah, now, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing great, doing great. It was nice yeah. to revisit this. Yeah. New Frontier. This was great. We're going to be talking tonight about the single uh, graphic novel that spawned from the 1997 uh, novel series, Star, uh, Star Trek The New Frontier, uh, written by venerable genre creator Peter David. Now, Peter David... Uh, had a long history writing Star Trek novels, but is really well known in Marvel comic circles for a really well-renowned run on the Incredible Hulk, uh, uh, including the creation of the character Maestro, which was a future mm-hmm. version of the Hulk, a gray, grizzled, you know, he carried Captain America's shield, so he was from kind mm-hmm. of an alternate future. I know Axtra Todd, our other secret friend, uh, uh, co-husband, podcasting co-husband, has <laughs> done some reading on that subject, but I'm not super familiar with the character. But anyway, I know Peter David from my high school years of reading, you know, all those Star Trek novels, keeping, you know, a lonely, awkward uh, geek uh, company <laughs> on those lonely uh, Michigan winter nights when girls wouldn't touch me with the 10-foot pole. I was reading Star Trek novels, many of which were uh, Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation novels, many of which were written by Peter David. So I have... Oh, yeah. Uh, long appreciate his work. I know that Todd actually met him at a con a number of years back and interviewed him for the Secret Friends podcast. Oh, nice. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I uh, I have enjoyed this series. Uh, in 1997, it was my, uh, I'm going to say, sophomore or junior summer in high school. And I remember not only reading this, and it was funny that the initial offering uh, was essentially two books split up into four micro books. Yeah. So, you yep. would have one book that was 100, 150 pages. They were little, and you'd buy all four. So it was, it was almost like buying a comic book in a lot of ways because you'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, I bought book one, and I read it, and you know, and then a month went by, and I could get little book two and whatever it is. And, and it was fun <laughs> because it was uh, – I actually – I was working at the State News at Michigan State where I was a student, and oh, I actually nice. got to write a blurb about this, and I said – this was really great. I, you know, I illustrated kind of the primary thing, which it says right here in the blurb I pulled up, that uh, it was the first Star Trek book series to prominently feature characters created for the page rather than the screen. Right. Now, inherently, when something is created for the page in Star Trek, it means it's not canon. However, it does, it does further split uh, the hair that if you enjoy a great story, it doesn't really matter if it's canon or not. Use That's your right. imagination. Imagine it simply being in a separate timeline. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think in a lot of ways, you know, movies like uh, you know Avengers Endgame uh, have really popularized uh, the thought of an alternate timeline and and oh, having yeah. alternate stories, you know, just kind of be okay uh, mm-hmm. as long as they're good. So uh, I accept that, uh, you know, and yeah, so this gave us a lot of characters. It gave us our actual first 
or at least what we thought was the first at the time, alien Starfleet captain. We later found right. out that uh, that Captain Cisco was half alien. Right. Because yes, you found yeah. out that of course he was, you know, his mother was a was one of the prophets, one of the wormhole aliens, and say his father was human, so he was half. But uh, Kenzie, uh, Captain Mackenzie Calhoun or Mackenzie uh, of Calhoun <laughs> on the planet, didn't write that part down. What planet was? Oh, oh God, I don't remember. <laughs> but anyway, the planet where he was from was very tribal and warlike. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm just remembering when I'm when I'm just plucking out of my memory from that first novel uh, that as a young warlord of age 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. uh, he fought a pivotal battle where he got uh, his very defining facial scar. Right. Um, and at the end of this, actually, the person who beamed down to settle the uh, to settle the diplomatic issue was a young Captain John Luke Picard of the USS Stargazer. So this would put it, you know, 10 or 15 years before TNG. Um, right. And this really gave, uh, you know, young Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie, as he anglicized his name, for lack of a better expression, uh, the the interest in going to Starfleet Academy, where he rapidly became a top-level command officer. Uh, he later ended up leaving the service after a disastrous incident where, uh, where I, I believe it was an ambassador, and the ambassador's daughter died under his watch. Mm-hmm. So he resigned from the service, uh, or or. Actually, he went into the Secret Service, uh, right. but, was, but, but was later tapped on the shoulder by, and again, this is where the novel series ended up bringing back in familiar characters. You had Admiral, you had Captain, later Admiral uh, Edward Jellicoe, Ronnie right. Cox, who yeah. everybody hates from his uh, two-episode turn of the Chain of Command in season <laughs> six of DNG. Uh, and then you had Admiral Alina Necheyev, who actually, I met that actress uh, in one of the Chicago shows early on, uh, who is one of those, again, you know, I, I know other podcasts have done episodes like Asshole Admirals. You know, that was that was two of them right there. Uh, but they recruited him because what was necessary is there was a sector, I believe it was, uh, I'm plucking from my memory, 221G, the Thelonian sector, right. that, was go- that was going through some instability. They needed a vessel, uh, they needed a place to start a vessel within that sector to calm things down. So they plucked together a crew and a ship, actually an ambassador class ship, which is one of yeah. my favorite uh, classes of vessel. If you actually look at Rich, our uh, uh, Petoskey lineage from our uh, fan club, one yep. of the ships going back in the prehistory is an ambassador class. That would be the same as the Enterprise C from yesterday's Enterprise TNG, yep. if you're familiar. Um, so, yeah, it, it pulled together not only this new character of the captain, but also uh, Commander Shelby from the Borg two-parter from TNG. You got Robin Leffler, who was actually portrayed by a young Ashley Judd, yes. who was pulled yeah. in as a character. You got Dr. Salar, the, the spectacular mm-hmm. Susie Plaxton, who came from a season two uh, episode of TNG. And then, and then a host of newer characters, including uh, a... Uh, a character, uh, Commander Burgoyne, who is from a hermaphroditic species or a species that had uh, dual genders. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm using that expression correctly, but a dual gender thing, which in the 90s was like, whoa, we're now yeah. in this in this day and age. <laughs> it's really very commonplace, so it's really not a big deal. Right. Uh, uh, you had the helmsman, Mark McHenry, who turned out to be a Q, which I thought was yes. brilliant. It I definitely played. Definitely plays into this story. Uh, and they went through a string of adventures for the next, you know, five or six or maybe closer to ten years. And actually, I think this graphic novel, uh, which is entitled Turnabout, I for some reason thought it was called No Limits. I, like, had it No Limits, but then I tried to look it up in order to pull the summary, and I couldn't find it. I'm like, it's called Turnaround. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, it's called Turnaround. Fine. So th- this is billed, when I was reading this blurb, as the 10th anniversary uh, of the series so 10 years of the series of right. which case i think 
I, I mean, I read all, I, I read probably the first four or five years of the novels and then I started it, you know, life took over. I got married. I had a kid. I, I, you know, things kind of tended to trickle off. I wasn't really reading as much. Um, and then I got around to reading the summaries that like, well, the, the ship got blown up, but then Mackenzie got a new ship, a new mm-hmm. ship named Excalibur, but it was, it was galaxy class, but yeah. then, he and Shelby got married, but she became an admiral, so she right. commanded a space station, uh, you know, and, and his ship was assigned to it. And then one of his officers was this really hot-to-trot German chick uh, who he was screwing <laughs> around with back in the day, and she was also had a ship assigned to it, so it was like – which plays into the story as well. So yeah. anyway – that's my really long and drawn out summary of the series. So, Rick, <laughs> I'm going to chuck I'm going to chuck it over you to take over talking about the story. Oh Lord. Well, okay. Well, first of all, I just want to I just want to say that I have been a long time fan of Peter David. When you talked about uh, the Hulk, his run on the Hulk is where, besides the X Men, Hulk is my favorite character, and the, his run on Hulk is my absolute favorite. It's a shining gem in my collection. That entire run for him. Um, I mean, I've read his books, Howling Mad, and um, which is great. It's about a wolf that gets bitten by a werewolf and turns into a man. Um, and then, and then um, he's he's done he's done all kinds of other books. He did a Psy Man, I think is what it was called. I didn't read any of those, but I knew of I knew of them. But anyway, I followed his career for a long time. I read all of his Star Trek stuff. I read all of his Star Trek comics because he did he did do. Back in the day, I think he started the first DC uh, original series um, comic, and then he and oh, who the heck was it that was writing the other one? I can't remember who was writing the Next Generation at the time, but they flip flopped and then they relaunched the series. Uh, right, right. Yeah. They, I, and they they did both of those because it's, it's funny you should mention that. I read. I was a huge fan of the um, believe it or not the original series. Uh, I've talked about this on Secret Friends, the original series DC comic, but volume yes. two, that was the same, and basically volume two of TNG launched at the same time, but I never read it. Oh. I was like, well, I'm watching the show and I like the show, but I don't get to see any more of the TOS gang and it's the movie era, which is the only era of TOS that I really found interesting because sure. the original yeah. show, it was so hokey and it was tough <laughs> to look at where the movies, I mean, God, I grew up on the movies and you had that beautiful, you know, constitutional class refit and, mm-hmm. And the beautiful uniforms, and I loved all of it. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so then when when New Frontier came out, this was a huge. I still have my I still have my copies of the original four Ooh, uh, novels. Man, I, and, should out, uh, I should go out and get a get a bank <laughs> issue for that. Yeah, my uh, my my godmother is the person that got me into Star Trek, and she um she and I would read these books together, these chapter books, and we'd talk about them. I'd call her about once a month and we would talk about the newest book. And, uh, so I, we did that for a few years and then she passed away and, um, that, well, we, I, we did that for a few years. She didn't pass away. Like right after that, she passed away a little much later, but, um, when she passed away, she, um, uh, gave me all of her Star Trek memorabilia, which, among other things, includes like 
um, items from the second ever Star Trek convention in in uh, New York and things wow. like that. Wow, but back in '73. Oh yeah, I remember hearing about it. Yep. Yeah, I've got some great stuff I'll show you sometime, Charlie. Uh, some awesome, some really interesting things. But uh, but the thing that she left me with was a bunch of Star Trek books, novels that I had gotten rid of a long time ago. But now I have replenished that. Now the one that I did hold on to was New Frontier because it was Peter David and I loved the concept and. So this was this reading. This was like a, like a flashback for me. It was great. Excellent. Like re, re, like <laughs> getting to a point where like I'm watching, um, I'm reading about, uh, Robin, uh, Robin Leffler and they don't mention her name. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's uh, that's what's her name. That's what's her name. And it didn't come to me at first, but then I went like, right. Robin, right. Robin something. And then as they said, it was Robin. I was like, okay, what was her last name? And it all just kind of started flowing back to me. And I was like, wait a minute, where's Mark McHenry? Where's he? I thought, wait a minute, right. he's a God or something, right? No, he yeah. was a king. it all I, just yeah. starts flowing back to me. I was in was, the same, oh. I was in the same spot. Cause again, it was great. I know, I know I read the novels probably for at least the, the first, let's say three or four years. Yeah. Um, but I know it started to trickle off and it, like there was that novel when they did, they did kind of enter the second phase where again, you know, yep. uh, Shelby gets promoted and she's right. running the space station. And then there's the new Excalibur and then there's a Trident, which is the, the other ship that Mueller commands. And right. I'm like, I remember, and then there was the, there was the gateways, uh, crossover yeah. novel series, which was all the, all of them together. And I know that they played a great part in that. So it's like, I, um, and then I know it kind of trickled off and then I was definitely out of it, but I remember just reading bits like, well, eventually uh, uh, the br- uh, the Bricar guy, the security guy, the big yes. brick dude, becomes counselor. Yes, I know. And, and, and I know that I had read this graphic novel before, but it had been a number of years gone by. But you know, a, a lot of it just it filled me with excitement, but also sadness because I'm like, this was the only, this could have been an ongoing comic series. It would have been yeah. great to have been like. The novels end, but then you know, obviously there wasn't. It's not like the novels were selling good enough that this could have been a normal thing because this is, in a lot of ways, so very inaccessible to yeah. anyone who's not read those books. It's just right. you and I had a lot of great flashbacks reading it, but mm-hmm. we also, but I also looked at it and said, boy, for you know, John, even John Q. Star Trek fan, like. Our co-host Aaron is a great example. Doesn't read comics. Doesn't like animation. Right. If she was to pick this up, she would have no idea what the hell's going on. It would probably <laughs> be a huge turnoff to looking into it any further. You right. know what I mean? So That's that was point. that. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let let's talk about this story. Yeah. So the uh, okay. So the this USS Paradox vessel that they uh, that they have come up with made me think of the Discovery. And the shunt drive that they use here made me think of the spore drive on Discovery, which I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if Discovery pulled that from this, but uh, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, the other thing that I thought was cool is that I think I thought that it was cool that they that they brought in a parallel universe, but it wasn't the mirror universe parallel universe. Uh, they they do. I mean they they bring in. I mean this they've got. <laughs> A and and Admiral Jellico uh, right. c- captures the uh, the paradox, a great name for a ship that travels through time, right? Uh, which is Peter David. This is Peter David's finger fingerprints all over it. I mean, just snark everywhere. I love it. It's the best. <laughs> it's he it's was the I, best I, ever. I remember snark being a, a hallmark uh, of, of his novel writing because yes. I mean, probably my favorite in all this. Not to jump ahead is that when. Um, 
and I keep forgetting the name of the Bricard character because I know that's the name of his race. Oh, God. Yeah, I had it for a bit, but I can't remember what but it is. I know this is really embarrassing. But anyway, he's showing his vacation pictures. It's captured Romulan. And yeah. and later on, yes. <laughs> later on, he's like, uh, well, what did you do to it? Oh, it's Saleda, who's the, the other Romulan character, is saying, okay, well, what did you do to my guy? Well, uh, the Bricard character is showing him a vacation picture. She's like, you heartless bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I'm like, that's very Peter David. And, and it's just absolutely, just absolutely great. Yeah, it's Zach. It's Zach Kebron. I like. Thank you, Zach Kebron. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now there, there's also Doctor. I, I don't know how to say it, but I've always just said it as X Y. Doctor X Y. I'm guessing it's Psy or something. Right, like. and he was the he was the son of Burgoyne and Lieutenant Salar. Yes. Who had a very unconventional relationship. What right. the hell? Where is Salar? Where is she? I have no idea. That this, is. I was wondering that, what the hell happened. That was the one question I asked, and of course, I pulled. You know, the summary I pulled from. Uh, if you're familiar with Memory Alpha, which is the uh, that is the the wiki that is for canon Star Trek works, Memory Beta is the canon for is the wiki for non-canon works. So oh. all of the published things. So that's where I got the summary from. So I mean, I'm sure I could very easily jump over there and find that answer. But I'm like, again, you have you know X, Y, or Xi, who is the you know obviously uh, you know advanced in years, and and I know that there was a, a reason for why. Uh, XY was so many years older than than she should than he or she should be, right. um, but again that really speaks back to the detriment of this whole thing because this is a great series uh, had a series of great novels but again to pick this up it's so yeah. highly it's so highly specialized and it's right. really it's fun for for you you know thee and me you and I right. um, but the, the, you know it's obvious why this was the only standalone graphic novel they had. Like, like, I mean, you jump into it and you don't know why Robin Leffler is pregnant with the ghost of Sequan or Sequan's ghost's baby, right? Like, wh- who is Sequan? Nobody knows who that is, right? But, you know, you, if you know, you know, you know, Sequan was, he was a, like the emperor of the, was it the, Th- the Thelonians, I think is what, uh, yeah, he was an ambassador. He was the ambassador on the Excalibur. And that's how she, that's how the two of them got together. And <laughs> I, I wanted to look up Dr. Selar and, um, it looks like she sacrificed herself, uh, to, let's see here, to atone for being manipulated telepathically into kidnapping the infant son of Robin Leffler and Sequan. Okay. So, she said she's no she's no longer around i'm guessing at this point but that the, oh, wait a minute it doesn't make any sense yeah that doesn't make any sense because within the story we're reading robin leffer just finds out she's pregnant so yeah. this this is going to require some further research so we're yeah. we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to circle back to this at a later time i but, think you're right yeah but anyway moving forward with the story moving yeah forward with the story. yeah so okay so they the i don't know how i don't know how to call i don't know what to call them like fake Admiral Jellico, Jellico two, right? We'll call him yeah. Jellico two. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's referred to in this. Yeah, Mac two, Mac one, exactly. Okay, all right. So, so Jellico two uh, steals the um, the um, the paradox, and then he beams over uh, Soleta, who is half uh, Vulcan, half Romulan, who used to serve on the uh, the the Excalibur, but now is on a oh. Uh, Romulan ship 
I can't remember the name of the Romulan ship, though. I don't know if they actually said it. Did they say it? They, they may have. They may have, but it doesn't matter. But they, there's, uh, they, she beam, he beams her over uh, because he is just so surprised to see her, which is very strange, which is the first inclination that he's not, you know, <laughs> of this particular universe. Right. And uh, turns out that that um, Soleda and Mackenzie Calhoun from that universe, who is, instead of having the goatee, he just has long hair. <laughs> right. He's got the long hair instead of the goatee. Um, he and Soleda had a relationship. And um, uh, so that's why he was so shocked to see her. It, it, she, had, she had died in that in that universe, in that universe uh, somewhere. I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, somehow they had died. Meanwhile, our Mackenzie Calhoun, Mackenzie Calhoun Prime or whatever, um, has a vision of his wife dying in an explosion on Starbase Bravo, which is where she's the, you know, she's the commanding officer. And he decides he's going to go and fi- go and fix that. Basically. Um, he sends the Trident to go and protect that while he goes to go after the, um, the paradox, I think is what it would happen there. Right. Or is he, does he not realize what's going on with the paradox just yet? I can't remember if he did or not. Anyway, he uh, he intercepts the paradox at some point, and they figure out that. Uh, but does he get beamed onto the ship? No, it's it's. Meanwhile, Soleta figures out that that's not their Jellico because right. she gets thrown in the brig and and, and the real Jellico the real on Jellico, the other side yeah of the, the real Jellico is on the other side and they have this great interchange because he's the one that got her run out of Starfleet but he's right. so happy to see her he's like look if you're if you're stuck in a in a cell you're gonna be happy to see anybody that you know you yeah, know right which you know makes sense I guess um then the uh this is so this is so steeped in other like knowledge that that you have to have you're so yeah, right about this that's you are so, so bum- right about that's why i'm so bummed out because yeah. you see morgan primus who is the mother of robin leffler right. yet she is also an eternal character who is the spitting image of major barrett as number right. one from the cage right so for the layman, layperson who is looking at this instructor fan, you'd be going, "What the hell is Majel Barrett as number one doing in this episode?" <laughs> but she's not alive. No. Um, she's she's hanging out on the Excalibur with Captain Calhoun and the gang. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Who?" It, it, it isn't even until later in the thing that you figure out uh, that kind of that she's Leffler's mother, and mm-hmm. you know she she has she, she's a computer program. Uh, essentially, she's a hologram, which is she appears on the holodeck that Leffler has on New Thalon because she is the the queen, even though her husband, who is Siswan, the the king who died, uh, she is still in rule there. And Siswan's younger sister is uh, Kalinda or Callie, uh, uh, who is a character in the books. Um, and yeah, she, so Morgan Primus is able to move herself around, and she's she's able to uh, free uh, uh, Saleda and Jellico one, so that they can uh, get control and obviously give them a chance to. And they even refer to as Mirror Mac in this, but he's he's not really Mirror Mac because you don't really know. Is it established that they actually come from the Mirror Universe? Maybe that we're familiar with, like they're they're Terran rebels, the same way that like in DS Nine. Like there was a Cisco and there was O'Brien to be sure they were Terrans. Oh, well, I guess that I guess I didn't really. 
I didn't they just think from they were some, from the Mirror Universe. Or are they I just mean, from some some random ass, um, you know, like, you know, alternate reality or whatever? I don't know. That, I, that part, yeah, that, that that part of it is kind of missing. Yeah, I mean, I you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up Peter David on Facebook and see if he can tell me. Wow, how amazing! If you have that connection, he wants to come back and talk about. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm I know, right? Dead serious. If you can get him, because he talked to Todd, let him know. Hey, you talked to our partner, uh, you know, at a show back in Minnesota a couple of years ago. Would you like to come on and talk to us about the new frontier? I swear to God, you have you have a new assignment. I will oh man, a, I will give you a promotion and a commendation <laughs> at NSFI if you can make that happen. Um, I'll do but it. At but at any rate, so yeah, this all culminates with. Uh, McHenry getting uh, back involved again, yeah. um, and then uh, you know you're McHenry. He's, it's the it's the other universe McHenry, right? So there's a other yeah. Oh, that's just wow. You got a lot going on <laughs> with that, but yeah, th- this really culminates in uh, you know what you, what you would expect in the action adventure story. Obviously, the heroes catch up, so you have uh, the Excalibur, uh, you have the Trident uh, and and the Starbase uh, and a big uh, slug out. Uh, with this alternate ship, but yeah, McHenry shows up and he pulls both of the Mackenzies apart uh, right. into ghost shadows, and they, you know they're standing on the hull uh, of the starbase, watching this happen, and then really debating the merits of, well, you know, you, your Elizabeth died. Do you want my Elizabeth to die? Do you want any Elizabeth to die? And uh, that's what that's what ultimately is the fracture mm-hmm. uh, that, that that slows this down. Right. It, that that whole that whole scenario reminded me of how Peter David used to write the Hulk transformations, which is one of the things that really sold me on this. Is that Banner and the Hulk would meet in the mindscape, and they would have these interactions before they would come to an agreement on what was going to happen when he'd change, and it was great. And that th- that's what this reminded me of. And I I, I just I kind of love to see the the. I don't want to. I don't want to call it a trope, but you know, I wanted. I, I thought it was neat to see that mechanism again, um, and then, and then to see if these really are mirror universe characters. This Mac Two and Jellico Two. This played to something that you know doesn't usually play to the warlike characters that you expect to come from that universe. Yeah, I mean. Not all of them are warlike, but when I see Mirror Universe characters, when I think of Mirror Universe characters, I think of the Terran Empire. Um, now, of course, there's Terran Rebels, we've t- you know, as you mentioned, but I thought it was interesting to play on those emotions for Elizabeth Shelby um, to get Mac 2 to kind of, you know, back down. And then, of right. course, Jellico. Jellico won't back down. Because right. Jellico's Jellico, you know, right, right. and uh, you know they have to blow up the uh, the paradox, um, and uh, yeah. So, hmm, I'm trying to remember. Is there anything other than that that happens at the end? Uh, no, I mean in the end of it, it's one of these great, you know, uh, you know, whatever. My, I think the last panel is just Mac, you know, sitting with the the injured Shelby in the sick bay and talking about oh, you know this, yeah. this is what this is what love is so oh, you yeah. know yeah it really pulls it together is is that is kind of the allegory of what this you know what what drives all of us so which right. is which is the heart of really any story you know yeah. I mean any story uh, worth about anything is about a girl right you know wasn't <laughs> that wasn't true. that said it wasn't that said in in Tobey Maguire's Spider Man so I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's absolutely the case so um, 
man, I enjoyed the story. But again, every panel of it was, I think you and I shared the experience that I was reaching back like, oh, that's right. Right. Oh, that thing happened. But <laughs> where's Dr. Salar and why right. is this? So it's, it's, it's almost as if this comic, uh, this graphic novel was, was a postscript to a story that almost nobody knew anything about, which is why you can see why when it was published, it was like, oh, I got this idea for a, you know, he came out and he said, I got this idea for a graphic novel or whatever it is. And it could be the, it could be the revival of the series. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because uh. you just didn't have, I, I think this was lacking, lacking engagement without a doubt. Oh, you know sure. I mean? And I think, sure. I think, I think that was, uh, that was biggest movement as a story. You know, I think it, it plays on, I don't want to say a, a trope that we're, that is in Star Trek, but certainly even one that really does work well, which is the time travel aspect, which, you know, it was really reflective in Peter David's other great work, non-canonical work, because it's Star Trek, that I love is the Imzadi. Oh, series, yeah. Because I love Riker. You know, I love his relationship with Troy. It's evocative of, of a romance I had in my distant past. So I always, I, I always kind of look on it very fondly. Yeah, um, definitely. So, I loved that, and so this, the relationship between Mac and, and Shelby within this really kind of speaks to me uh, for that same. So I enjoy that aspect of it, and again, the heart of any story that really resonates with with almost anyone has to do about love in a certain way, love sure. of love of an individual, love of country, love of self, love of whatever it is. So absolutely, uh, yeah. I think this spoke to that, but I feel like it was such a. I feel like this story, while it was good, it was definitely too little too late mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah i'd have to agree with you there i think that uh i think that if you're a fan of new frontier and the stuff that peter david did with that early on um this is going to be exactly like what you and i got which was a nice little flashback but right. if you don't know anything about this stay away you yeah, are going right. to be completely confused i mean you're right. not going to know who any of these people are number one number two even if you figure out who they are, you're not going to know like the relationships. You're not going to know who this XY character is and why Burgoyne calls him son. Right. Right. Like, exactly. It's like, wait, okay. So who's the, who's the mother, father, whoever, right. Who's right. the other parent? Uh, like it's, it's going to be, it's a tough sell. It's like dropping into the middle of next generation when the, when the continuing stories have really, started to kick in like the long, right. uh, the long-term ties to these characters right. kicked in True. and trying to like pick catch up, you know? Right. Um, which I think is probably the failing of the, of the comic, but, right. but really a nice thing for people that, that have been longtime fans. Now you mentioned something about that. You thought maybe this would have been like a chance for this to be a revival. And it kind of was after a fashion, there were, there was there were two other hard copy books published after this comic came out. Oh, okay. Treason and Blind Man's Bluff. Uh, Treason okay. came out in 09 and Blind Man's Bluff came out in 2011. And then in 2015 they did a three-part uh, ebook exclusive called The Returned. Now I've never read any really? of these. Really? No kidding. Yep. Yep. You know, and and I've gotten so far away from uh, sounds terrible reading. Like yeah. I I just I just this week renewed uh, for a year my subscription to Marvel Limited because yeah, nice. one of the things I've talked about uh, on because I had a month subscription but I'd let it last. I hadn't used it in many many months. But mm-hmm. one thing that that I'm very proud of is that I've read every issue of the Amazing Spider Man. Nice. Uh, I've read I read all 700 issues of Volume One, uh, and I did it I did it largely I, I did it straight through 
from uh, the Marvel Unlimited app because they're all there. And then I've read, you know, subsequent volumes and reboots and whatever it is. So I'm like, I've read all of that. And so I said to myself, I'm going to do the same with the Avengers because I love the Avengers. And I made it through a portion of it and it got so difficult that I stopped and jumped forward (laughs) and read a bit. But then I said, you know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, there were 20 issues that I skipped and I'm going to go back and I'm going to read them. So I, last night, I'm, a, I'm at issue 130, 131, and I've got to get up to, I think, 149. And then I, then I jump to 169, and then I jump back into, like, the 300s. So, <laughs> and then, but I had to save the screen grab a long time ago that showed, like, you know, when you do this and it becomes the new Avengers and it becomes the what right. are the, the secret Avengers and then it, what this and that. So, yeah, it um, flip-flops a lot over there. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I, you know, a firm believer. And that's the only reading I do. So I, I'm just with – I'm audiobooks uh, anymore. So mm-hmm. I would – you know, I, I I've done Audible. I'm a couple. Of, I, I I I I banked a couple of books uh, in sure. the Star Wars. Like I'm doing the I'm doing the strange new or the certain point of view right now. I'm doing Empire right now, and then I have the uh, I have the New Hope. I want to listen to both of those, and then I could see branching out uh, and getting some of these new Frontier books and just starting all over again because yeah. I know that I listened to a little bit of that that kind of that volume one, the four micro book series mm-hmm. because it was available from Hoopla, my local library app. Oh, really? Um, I'm going to look and, at that. And, I have Hoopla as well. And it's narrated by Joe Morton, the, ge- what? the, the Cyberdyne guy. Absolutely. Nice. I swear <laughs> to God. It's, it's weird though because there's – there's like sound effects and he does weird accents and stuff. Like he gives Admiral and Chaff an accent and she doesn't have one. Nice. That that annoyed the shit out of me. But anyway, <laughs> but I digress. So yeah, so I, I will go back and check that out. But your assignment, Ensign, uh, Ensign <laughs> Davenport, is to if you can really reach out to Peter David and you can get him with any interest to come back and do a special episode where we can just talk about this. Oh, oh I am so on board with that. Oh my oh, god, yeah. that's will... amazing. I will do what I can. I can't promise anything, but I would love to. I, I met him at a con. I think I theorized that this was the same con that Todd might have interviewed him at. I you would, said a couple of years ago, yep, and it was yep. in St. Paul. I took my son, and w- my son got to meet Christopher Priest. I got to meet Peter David and Gordon Purcell, as a matter of fact. Oh, Gordon Did a lot of the art. Right. The artist, yeah, the artist who did all of the, the, the TOS series that I was now, talking about. Now, him I know I could get. Him, do it! Oh my god! Because I have talked to him several times about potentially like doing like interviews for like different like ventures that I've had, and I think it would be great to talk to him about his Trek stuff. He's local, the Minnesota guy. So this is your the venture that you're going to talk to him about this show. (laughs) So you have a new assignment. Make it happen. All right. Well, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up the show by talking a little bit uh, about some. Uh, I have a news story and I have a merchandise story. So the, uh, the it is award season, but of course, but the oh my god, this is, this is so ridiculous. Star Trek Discovery films in Toronto, which actually you know we talked about last week, right? right. Talked about an SFU, but the uh, the CAFAFCAD Awards, this is the <laughs> Canadian Alliance of Film and Television Costume Arts and Design, <laughs> does their awards because why why would they? Why wouldn't they yep. do their own awards? Everybody's got their own award show. But Absolutely. No, they actually gave three prizes to Star Trek Discovery, which films in Toronto. So nice. that part of it is particularly uh, salient, I think, uh, making them the biggest uh, winner of the evening. Now, uh, uh, Gersha Phillips is the uh, key costumer of that show. 
the the poor woman has taken a lot of heat uh, for the design of the 32nd uh, Starfleet uniforms uh, that you saw in season three, even yeah. more for the ones that we've seen in the trailer for season four. I don't care. I love Starfleet uniforms. You know, it's my thing. You know, I'm a <laughs> costumer. You know, I am yep. a I am a uh, vicious critic of customers <laughs> so yeah. I, I i i like the little details i like it when things are done right but yeah they they received uh best costume award for the episode the hope that is you part one uh beating out uh, other sci-fi series uh let's see here uh costume cutters uh costume cutters won excellence in crafts awards uh for that episode uh, and then, uh, yeah, and, and one for another episode, Peoples of Earth, which was the episode uh, that introduced the um, – uh, you've seen season three, haven't you? I've, I've, I, uh, I've seen most of season three. I, I'm dancing around episodes you've missed, which, you know, we need to, <laughs> we need to fix that, Rich. We have I to have, know, I know. We have to have standards for I'm, ourselves as, as <laughs> Star Trek podcasting aficionados. So I, 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 I need, I'm, I'm hip deep in the animated series. Right ah, now. boy. You know, I mean – you know that I, I've got kind of a hateful respect for that because I respect the fact that you're, you're carrying out your assignment, but I hate the fact oh. that you're watching that shit because oh, you, instead, yeah. But I know you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. I appreciate that. I'm in the weeds um, over here, man. <laughs> but anyway, I love costumes. This is great. You know, the, the new costumes we're going to see in uh, Star Trek Discovery, which we're expecting to see probably in late fall, uh, even though there was, as reported. A, uh, a delay in production right. uh, because of COVID, which will end in that we'll come back again. Um, uh, it's great. And I, I love, I love costuming. I love to see different ideas. Uh, it also mentions in this article that Picard, uh, the series won a golden reel award. Uh, sounds like it is for sound editing uh, with that beautiful theme uh, uh, by Matthew E. Taylor. So, you know, I, I love to see, you see in Star Trek back in the zeitgeist five years ago, we didn't have this. We didn't right. have any, this. There was no Star Trek on TV. Uh, we, we, we were burning off the ends. Five years ago, we had our last Kelvin Universe movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and now Star Trek is back, and, and we're entering the most productive uh, period of Star Trek that we've ever had. So th- this is this is all good news to me. It's fantastic. It's it's. I mean, the fact that it's here and winning awards too is just. It, it's just. I love it. I love it. I love it because it legitimizes it. You know what I mean? To me, it legitimizes it. I guess to a lot of people, you know, winning awards legitimizes things. And, uh, and, and I think that, you know, there was a time where, where people who read comic books were thought of as, uh, as kind of outcasts and comic books were thought of as kind of stupid and dumb. And people think the same thing about Trek in a lot of times. But, uh, I think that, uh, I think that we're, they're coming around now. They're coming around people like my parents who wouldn't watch Star Trek have watched Picard before I watched Picard, right. by the way. Which oh man! Oh no! I, I know that's crazy. I, I tell I you, they're the ones you... telling me you have to watch Picard. I'm like, Mom, I'm on Discovery. <laughs> oh my god! And, and 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 exactly. And for for the older generation to be watching something on streaming, it's like, I know. wow, talk about early adapters. So, well, I that's know, great. Right? That's great. And, and we are eagerly awaiting. Obviously, uh, our show uh, here will continue talking about. Uh, we're doing half seasons at a time of the older shows. We're talking about movies. We're talking about comics just to keep things a little bit fresh. But once we hit uh, that, that second week in August, we will be talking about the, uh, the next season of Star Trek Lower Decks. So we're really looking forward to letting that take our show over again. So finally, uh, Rich, where do you stand with collectibles? Are you a collectibles guy? Is there anything that you collect? I have, uh, I have Star Wars ships. Um, okay. 
I don't have a ton of other collectibles besides that, uh, besides like um, box sets of like Blu-rays and stuff like that. I hear you. Well, I have for since probably 2014 and the line came out in 2013, I've collected uh, ships from a, a company called Eagle Moss, which is based out of England. Uh, they have made an absolutely beautiful line of Star Trek collectible ships. Starfleet nice. vessels were my prime focus. I do have a ton of the alien ships. I acquired, and I've told the story many, many times, I acquired from the warehouse sale uh, where my at the company where my wife works a uh, basically about six and a half, about a six foot tall curio cabinet lit glass backed glass shelves oh, nice. for fifteen dollars. What? About five years ago, and I That's have filled, I have filled this thing up. I'll send you a picture if you've never seen it um, of of all of the ships I have in here. But I'm very proud of it. But that line, the the primary Eagle Moss weekly monthly subscription that used to come out uh it used to come out fortnightly as they say in england so twice twice a month twice a month uh but that line finally ended with issue number 180 i have the vast majority of the ships in that line there were i got to the point where i started cherry picking um and i have some of the special (laughs) issues but uh the second blurb which is a review um that i might actually jump forward with because i have the companion piece to it which was the Mm -hmm. star trek 3 uh space dock which i just love this is oh. actually Station Regular One from Ooh, nice. Star Trek Wrath of Khan, which don't know if you know this, but the that Regular One model was a reuse because if you flip it upside down, it is the orbital office complex that Kirk beams onto in Star Trek The Motion Picture when Scotty greets him and then takes him over to the Enterprise. What? Same, same, watch it again. I'm not lying oh, to you. It is. Holy shit. It was I'm going to have to look at that. That's more about the ingenious nature of Star Trek Two is that the way they reuse things, the way that they budgeted things and kept that budget so super tight yet made the best of all the Star Trek films, is astonishing. Um, oh my but, God! There's a picture of it right here on the uh, on the. Ah, the you're absolutely there it is. right. Yeah, exactly. And that same that's model then, then went on to be used as star bases to beat the band in TNG, and then obviously <laughs> on DS9 it was uh, Starbase. Uh, 375, which played a very pivotal role uh, in the early uh, season six of DS9 because Cisco was assigned there during the the Dominion War, um, and and so yeah, there's um that's a great venerable model. I have Space Dock in my cabinet uh, alongside the other larger models I have, and I'm actually I'm actually turning around and looking at them because I recorded in my den, and that's where the sh- I have uh, Space Dock right next to it is the um, is Viger from the director's <laughs> cut of Star Trek nice. motion picture. Uh, nice. I have uh, I have Space Station K7 from the classic Trouble with Tribbles and is that I'm actually going to stand up and talk to you. And I have, of course, Deep Space Nine. Um, right. But I could find a way by hook or by crook to squeeze regular, regular one in there because <laughs> it's a beautiful model. I think it's an absolutely beautiful model. I love yeah, it's it. Gorgeous. Um, and I, I just, you know, the... Um, the Eagle Moss line for, you know, ongoing, like they're doing models for Picard. They did a few for Discovery. They've jumped in size, uh, but not much in size, but they've, they've doubled or tripled in price. So I'm kind of oh. di- kind of dialing myself out of that piece of it. <laughs> I'm really super happy with what I have. If you look at the, tr- the top probably four shelves of this, you see essentially any Starfleet vessel that you can imagine has been made. So I'll, I'll send some pictures to you here after we get yeah, done. Yeah, please do. So you can kind of appreciate what I'm talking about. But yeah, I love Eagle Moss. You know, it, it's, a, you know, much like the, the final episode of TNG, all good things must come to an end. So their line, <laughs> their, their line did have to cycle down, but, but I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's an easy, um, even just to get, 
their first the first line the first ship in their line which is the Enterprise D it's like five bucks and you can oh, cancel nice. you can cancel it so I I would recommend it and I'm certainly happy to to post a link uh, on the Secret Friend page after we do this or even just drop it in the show notes uh, and, yeah. and I, I would encourage you to check it out so um, definitely. definitely but yeah that is uh, that is our show so uh, Richard please play us out. Play us out. I don't have any. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, ah, so. there you go. For, <laughs> for more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit USS Grand Petoskey and or the USS Nomad on Facebook. The the Code 47 podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. It is produced by Todd Oxtra. Oh, my goodness. Very well done. Well, friends, Ed, thank you, as always, for joining us, listening to us yammer on uh, about our love of Star Trek. Uh, as uh, Rich had mentioned, we are part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network, including uh, Secret Friends Unite, which comes out every Friday. Since 2014, your guide to the geek side, talking about geek culture of all kinds. This show is obviously about Star Trek. We come out every Monday. Co-op mode comes out on uh, alternating Wednesdays. That is my partner Todd and my partner Mark talking about video games. And then on the opposing Wednesday, the Holocron Chronicles is Mark and myself talking about Star Wars. Because, Rich, I'm sure you'll agree there's not enough Star Wars podcasts out there, right? Oh, there, I think there's only like two, like yours and there's mine, a, right? That's yours it. and mine, exactly. Yeah, yeah who, needs, yeah, who needs it? So, uh, yeah, but yeah, that uh, that's us. Uh, five Star Us leaves a review uh, on the podcasting service of your choice. Uh, we're also mirrored over on YouTube. It's just an audio stream, but if you're a YouTube type, definitely give that a crack. Uh, if you enjoy Twitter, you can find us over there at Secret Friends You. Drop us a line. Let us know something you're enjoying, whatever it might be, a question you might have uh, about whatever genre uh, that our shows address, and we will be happily uh, talk about that. We have a wonderful store over on T Public. Uh, it was funny, Rich. I was looking at their um, their sale uh, windows for May. They have like three weeks that they have sales goings on. Wow. So that would be either thirty or 35% off of their list prices, or I should say up to. Um, right. They do offer T-shirts, obviously endemic by the name, but they also do button stickers, coffee tumblers, notebooks, wall art, onesies for the little ones, kids' T-shirts, hoodies, whatever. I mean, I love Tee Public, and the beauty of that is, is that those proceeds actually do go back to making our show possible. And anything that we make above and beyond that, we actually do give back to charity. Uh, I support the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Michigan. Uh, I had a son who passed away about a year ago, but before he did, Make-A-Wish actually did send him to Disney, which was awesome. Oh, wow. Um, so I love that organization. So I uh, so definitely uh, keep in mind that if you are supporting uh, Secret Friends or if you're alternately supporting uh, the Grand Petoskey store, uh, which sells uh, merchandise for our Starfleet International chapters, including our regional chapter, uh, those those proceeds do benefit uh, charity uh, in some part as charity as well. So, friends, thank you as always one more time for joining us. Rich, thank you for your for hanging out with me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to tell you as always that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. And friends, I'm I'm inspired by Space Station Regular One, so I will just say, from hell's heart, I stab at thee, friends. <laughs>